Hello and welcome back to the West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm David. I'm flying solo. Uh, You ready for this? Pastor Merritt. Uh, He has COVID. I'm getting to the very end. almost recovered from COVID. Uh, But he's on the back half already. Uh, But his was certainly more traumatic. But as I was saying, believe this. He has broken his back again. Uh, the He got it, uh, became severe during the night. And uh, when he got out of bed, he fell. And uh, not sure what time it was. Uh, hoping it was early in the morning because Leslie walked in there and he was laying on the floor. Uh could not get up. We couldn't uh, get him to move. So uh, we had to call an ambulance and they took him in and he stayed up there most of the day and they determined that he did indeed have COVID and that his back was broken again in the same spot uh, that it broke this last time. So this is the third time. Third time of the charm. Should be it. Uh, but he's in no shape uh, to be with me today. Uh he is recovering. He's here at the house. And, of course, he is in our prayers, and I ask for you to put him in yours as well. We missed our lesson last Sunday uh, due to that. And this coming Sunday, uh, I'm finally going to give you the second lesson of Daniel, and uh, we'll see how far we get but before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your many blessings. We ask prayers, especially for Pastor Merritt. And we pray for our, this country. We pray, pray for our president. Uh, and pray that uh, I can present a decent lesson today and that those receiving it will be blessed as well. Uh, again, thank you for all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, we are on the book of Daniel, lesson two. Uh, it'll be there at the outline. It's a the whole long list of them, and you can just go to lesson number two. And again, the first lesson is what we did two weeks ago because we missed a lesson. As in several other books of prophecy, like Jeremiah and Hosea, we noted the author is also the chief actor in the the events recorded. Our Lord's testimony about Daniel is not simply that the book was named after Daniel, but that it prophesies, but that its prophecies were written by him. Evangelical scholars usually identify the author of our book with the Daniel of Ezekiel 14, 14, and 20. The Daniel of Ezekiel 28, 3, and the prophetic Daniel of Matthew 24, 15, and Mark 13, 14, all refer to the same man the incomparable Daniel. Ezekiel 14, 13. 
son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and I will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and destroy both man and beast which are in it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, reside in that land, saith the Lord God. Ezekiel fourteen nineteen and 20 Or if I send a pestilence into the land, and pour out my fury on it in blood, and remove from the land both man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job reside there, as I live, saith the Lord God, neither son nor daughter will be spared, only Noah, Daniel, and Job will be delivered because of their righteousness. Ezekiel 28.3 Behold, Satan, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can keep from you. Matthew 24.15 When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. And Mark Chapter 13, verse 14. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them be in Judea, flee to the mountains. Daniel's righteousness, wisdom, and gifts of prophecy are documented in the above-cited passages. In the second century, there were those who attempted to deny the authenticity of Daniel, claiming that the book was written much later than purported, and claiming its author was an unknown person who took the name Daniel as a pseudonym. To deny Daniel, however, one must deny Ezekiel. Jesus and a large number of Jews who long before the second century determined Daniel as part of the early canon. This denial would have to include not only the many carefully copied manuscripts, but also the formidable LXX, the Septuagint. We may therefore safely assume that Daniel is the author of the book and a historical prophet who lived during the reigns of four Gentile kings. In modern times, theological liberals have resurrected the arguments of the earlier unbelieving skeptics. In fact, liberal Bible schools and seminaries spend significant time pontificating about Porpheus's position. Porphyry was an early and very vocal critic of the generally accepted authorship and chronology of Daniel. It would seem Porphyry was what we might call today a contrarian. As we noted in the last lesson, the basic reason why liberals deny the genuineness of Daniel is that they have previously rejected the possibility of predictive prophecy. This, though usually left unstated, 
is sometimes frankly admitted. Daniel is full of many remarkable prophecies. For example, we have many prophecies made in circa 536 BC, which we have seen recorded and accepted by secular historians, many of which actually took place as late as 147 BC. Last week, when we ran out of time, we we're about to look at several arguments in support of the genuineness of Daniel. One, the prima facie evidence of the testimony of the book. Two, its reception into the canon, which witnesses to the fact that Jews of the pre-Christian centuries believed in its authenticity. Three, the uniform testimony of the New Testament, including our Lord's own personal expressed opinion. And four, ancient direct external testimony, including Ezekiel 14 and 20 and the others I read, as well as several passages written by Josephus. Rebuttal of the negative arguments regarding the ideas and history of the book have found especially strong support from the archaeological, much of which we will note later, but quickly here are three examples. One, it was once popular to believe that there was no secular record of Nebuchadnezzar taking sacred stolen vessels into this house of God, as Daniel records. From antiquity, it was later discovered such was the practice of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. Daniel 1, 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure, ha treasure house of his God. Point two. It was once the vogue to claim that there was no historical record of Ashpenaz. Later, an ancient stone was found upon which was an inscription which read, Ashpenaz, master of eunuchs. Daniel 1.3 And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princess. Point three. Secular history once recorded that Nabodidus was king when Darius conquered Babylon, and not Belshazzar, as Daniel writes. Secular history further recorded that Nabonidus was captured and treated well by the Medes. It was also alleged that the king of Babylon, alleged by Daniel to be Belshazzar, was not killed after Babylon was captured and as, pur and as purported by Daniel. Later it was discovered that Nabonidus was a king who loved to war, and at the time of Darius' attack, he was left, he had left his son, Belshazzar, in charge. History had to be modified 
to reflect that while Nabonidus waged war away from Babylon, his son ruled during his absence. Secular history finally caught up and documented Daniel's account of Belshazzar being king when Darius arrived, and that, that it was Belshazzar who was taken prisoner and killed by the Medes and not Nabonidus. Daniel 5.1 and 5.2 Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold, golden and silver vessels which was his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. That the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Daniel 5.30 and 5.31 That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So much for the empty but interesting pontifications. A superficial examination might yield a division of the book of Daniel into two main parts. Chapters 1 through 6, the histories of Daniel, and chapters 7 through 12, the prophecies of Daniel. As is often the case with neat outlines, however, this two-part division is more apparent than real. All of Daniel is a book of prophecy. This, from the biblical standpoint, means merely that its author was a prophet whose job, like all prophets, was to communicate unto the coming of the Messiah and the completed canon. Matthew twenty four fifteen. So, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Hebrew chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. While biblical prophecy includes prediction, it is very often more than prediction. It frequently teaches a divinely inspired moral and spiritual lesson. Such is certainly the case with Daniel, who declared national discipline would follow national error, although ultimately the grace of God would ultimately deliver his people in his time. Ezekiel and Daniel were written in the exile, a name customarily given to that period during which the Jews of the Judean kingdom were disciplined from their country after the, the destruction of their temple, capital city, and commonwealth by Nebuchadnezzar. The displacement coming as a result of a continued and prolonged rejection of God's protocol plan, mainly a sustained dalliance 
with foreign gods. This destruction came in three stages. First, in 606 BC, when Nebuchadnezzar brought Jehoiakim to his knees and carried off hostages, among them Daniel and some 70 other young men. Later, in 597 BC, Nebuchadnezzar returned in force to punish several rebellions, acts of Jehoiakim, Judah's then king. And Nebuchadnezzar carried off at the siege some 10,000 captives, among them King Jehoiakim himself and a young prophet named Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 1, chapters 1 through 3, that's compared with 2 Corinthians chapter 36, 10, and 2 Kings chapter 24, 8 through 20, which you can further reference. Ezekiel 1, 1 through 3. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, by the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was upon him. Second Corinthians chapter 36, 9 and 10. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. In the spring, King Nebuchadnezzar sent for him and brought him to Babylon, together with articles of value from the temple of the Lord. And he made Jehoiakim's king's uncle, Zedekiah, king over Judah and Jerusalem. 2 Kings, chapter 24, verse 8 through 17. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta, daughter of Elanathan. She was from Jerusalem. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had done. At the time, the officers of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, advanced on Jerusalem, Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And Nebuchadnezzar himself came up to the city while his officers were besieging it. Jehoiakim, king of Judah, his mother, his attendants, his nobles, and his officials all surrendered to him. In the eighth year of the reign of the king of Babylon, he took Jehoiakim prisoner. As the Lord had declared, Nebuchadnezzar removed all the treasures from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and took away all the gold articles that Solomon, king of Israel, had made for the temple of the Lord. He carried into exile all Jerusalem, all the officers and fighting men, and all the craftsmen and artisans, a total of 10,000. Only the poorest people of the land were left, 
Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim captive to Babylon. He also took from Jerusalem to Babylon the king's mother, his wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land. The king of Babylon also deported to Babylon the entire force of 7,000 fighting men, strong and fit for war, and a thousand craftsmen and artisans. He made Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. Finally, in 587 BC, after a long siege, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city and the temple and disrupted the entire Jewish community. 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 1 through 7. So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. He encamped outside the city and built siege works all around it. The city was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine in the city had become so severe that there was no food for the people to eat. Then the city wall was broken through, and the whole army fled at night through the gate between the two walls near the king's garden. Though the Babylonians were surrounding the city, they fled toward the Arabah. But the Babylonian army pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his soldiers were separated from him and scattered, and he was captured. He was taken to the king of Babylon at Ribal, where sentence was pronounced upon him. They killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. Then they put out his eyes, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 1 through 7. While Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army and all the kingdoms and people in the entire in the empire he ruled were fighting against Jerusalem and all its surrounding towns, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Go to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him. This is what the Lord says. I am about to hand this city over to the king of Babylon, and he will burn it down. You will not escape from his grasp, but will surely be captured and handed over to him. You will see the king of Babylon with your own eyes, and he will speak with you face to face, and you will go to Babylon. Yet, hear the promise of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. This is what the Lord says concerning you. You will not die by the sword. You will die peacefully. As people make a funeral fire in honor of your fathers, the former kings who preceded you, so they will make a fire in your honor and lament. Alas, O Master, I, my, I myself make this promise, declares the Lord. Then Jeremiah the prophet told all this to Zedekiah, king of Judah, in Jerusalem, while the army of the king of Babylon 
was fighting against Jerusalem and the other cities of Judah that were still holding out. Lachish and Azekah, these were the only fortified cities left in Judah. Jeremiah chapter 52, verse 3, 4, and 7. It was because of the Lord's anger that all this happened to Jerusalem and Judah. And in the end, he thrust them from his presence. Now Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. They camped outside the city and built siege works all around it. Then the city wall was broken through, and the whole army fled. They left the city at night through the gate between the two walls near the king's garden. Though the Babylonians were surrounding the center, the city, they fled towards Arabah. Restoration to the land began in circa 536 B.C., when the victorious Cyrus, king of the new Medo-Persian Empire and conqueror of Babylon, decreed the Jews could return to rebuild the temple. And that's from 2 Corinthians chapter 36, verse 22 and 23, and it reads, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Isaiah, some 150 plus years earlier, had predicted Cyrus' action by name and substance. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please? He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. In chapter 45, 13, I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. But not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. That concludes lesson two for Daniel. As always, I thank you for being with us. I look forward to having Pastor Merritt 
back with me here next week. If there's anyone out there without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, go ahead and do it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Best deal going. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this glorious lesson uh, that you gave us to present and your words. And thank you for Daniel. May God bless you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And until next time, so long.